0: Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. and
1: He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike.
0: Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California from the studios of Sirius XM West. Boasting an obstructed view of one of L.A.'s leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, the host of Mark McGrath's 120 Heard Weekends on the 90s online here on Sirius XM, the lead singer of Sugar Ray, a member of Royal Machines, cameo superstar, Mark, <laughs> Mark McGrath. Hello and welcome back yet again.
1: Brother Tully, always a pleasure to discuss music and other events with you, my friend. Let me ask you a question. Comedy, mm. where are you at right now with that?
0: If I could split myself in three, mm-hmm. I'd have I'd still be busy. Yeah. That's so it's really- hard to
1: be a dad, do work nine to five, mm-hmm. and then go to the clubs at two in the morning.
0: And it's not as if Los Angeles comedy is begging me to come out. If somebody set it up on a plate for me, hey, you got this spot and this spot, I would still be there. Uh, I had to, the show that I was doing got a little squirrely at the same time that I was really in the home stretch doing a book with Jason Ellis, and gotcha. so I consciously decided that I would let it go because of that. And now here I and then that went into the holidays, and here I am again. And the second
1: child factor, kind of uh, second we're, we're child, you're down, is right? a
0: big yeah fucking factor in this. And do you know what I? Like I guess I just I can't do it all, and I have no. and and I'm and I'm doing like fifteen things. You have to prioritize. Yeah, I've had this. I've had this. Double albums worth of songs I've wanted to record for forever, and I finally just went and picked up a Mac, and I'm learning Logic, and I'm gonna have to do the fake cheesy drums. It's just not practical to get out of the house and hire a drummer because I'm like, no, the fill's got to be like this. It's right. Well, then I need it to be exactly right, yeah. and I kind of just wanted to do something like kind of refill the creative tank a little bit because doing a book is really, it's a lot of work for trying to make somebody else's. Thing yes, fly, I understand, and I just kind of wanted to do something creatively selfish. And I don't, I don't even know. The, to be perfectly frank. The wife and kids were supposed to go to Japan for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and because of the global pandemic that yeah. we're currently in the midst of, Tell I'm, I'm on death's door as we speak here because <laughs> of the coronavirus taking out people left and it's right. Crazy. It's obviously not practical for them to travel, and I was really banking on having three weeks to really dive into that. So I don't know what i'm doing but as i say i can't keep darting ineffectively from one thing to another so i think i've just kind of gotta choose a lane pick a lane get that thing going and i, and I really pay the rent too i right? really do like well you know the rent thank goodness hasn't been an issue The the rate i also have a job
1: well that's my point though <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. i mean you have to your priority is you has, know
1: um, yeah the, yeah, yeah. Show, of the course. tie
0: obviously has to go to yeah. that and that takes up a fair amount of time um i really do like stand-up i don't feel done with stand-up, I actually, I kind of feel like I got to a plateau of where I did a couple spots at the comedy store and I did a couple of out-of-town things where I felt like I, I hear uh, people who are transsexual talking about, can I pass? You know, I read, um, I can't remember the singer of Against Me's name.
1: Oh, uh, uh, um, Laura Jean. Laura Jean Grace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and and about, like, can I, can I pass? He, he would, she would dress up in hotel rooms and wonder about uh, could she ever pass and i feel like i kind of got to the point where between the comedy store and a couple of out of town things i passed for a really terrible comedian like i i didn't seem like a radio guy who was invited to do a few minutes i don't i think people there didn't go oh, what heck i must know somebody why did they let him go up there like i feel like i got to the plateau of being an acceptably bad comic and i feel like i kind of I don't want to take a break, but it's not a bad place to take a break if a break is forced on me. And then I can get back in it and I can try to build from there. Every comedian would tell me I'm wrong, that if you've been gone for a few months, you're basically starting from zero again. I think comedians are a little dramatic.
1: Well, I mean, I just I say this because it's the it's I am so uh, it's probably the most scary thing I can think of is trying stand up comedy. So I'm so Mm -hmm. I have such admiration for you doing it and getting as far as you have gotten so far. So if you feel you need a break, take a break. But also, like, you know, you've tried too. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there isn't a void where you went. Boy, I wonder if I could do it or can't do it. So I, I guess no, I it's still there, there. I was out there weekend. You were week doing out. it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I know that I, like you can see the. It, it's kind of like learning, like fight training or or something like that. You kind of it it stops being just a blur of just go 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 and arms are flying around. Like, right. You Can slow it down enough to at least I can see all the things I'm doing you wrong see the moves and I can see what the good guys are doing Then i go okay well if i'm gonna get good i'm gonna need to be able to x y and z it's not just you go up there and you're a deer in headlights at least
1: what was your longest like good set was it 15 minutes 20 yeah, minutes probably minutes?
0: probably in the 15 to, to 20 minute range that's
1: a long time, it is because what jerry seinfeld said and this is seinfeld it takes mm-hmm. it took him a year to get a good 60 he said yeah that's seinfeld
0: well you know? yeah 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 and what i consider a tight I, I listened to a thing with remember Ralphie May. Of course, he yeah, passed away. R- rest his heart. He said, like, he said some. I forget the exact numbers, but he was talking to a room full of up and comers and newcomers, and he's just like, you know, you probably think you got ten, so you got three. Yeah, no, of course, and I'm sure my, I'm sure my. Awesome. I can't believe that just happened. That
1: was an out of body experience. 18. Yeah. It was a good three. Right. <laughs> well, it's like fighting. Like, I guess once you get punched in the face, like you're fighting and like, oh, this is real. Once a joke bombs, yeah. That next. Trying to dig your hole out of that must feel that's like an whole, hour and a half.
0: Well, that's the whole challenge. Is it's not that hard when, when things everything are, lands. It's not, it's not hard, that hard when things are going well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What well, do you What do you do? And it's and it's definitely frustrating when you feel like I know what to do on the radio. I don't even have to think about yeah, what I do effort, on the radio. So you always if have shit, been though. If shit falls apart, well, that's not exactly true. You do develop some some chops. lot yeah. you know, hopefully you have a little bit of natural ability. And thank you, but you, you develop some chops. Yeah, I. I I at least got to the point where, again, I was like, "I should probably be doing something right
1: now to fix this,"
0: <laughs> instead of just, dude, self awareness. Instead is of it... just waiting for you know Sandman Sims to come out
1: dancing. <laughs> yeah, Dan,
0: that's an <laughs> incredible gift, down. though. Athletes talk about things slowing down. Of it, course, it, it slows down a bit. Yeah. You know? No, I hear
1: you. I hear you. Um, oh, I brought you another gift. Another gift. I am. I am overwhelmed. Well- Talia has been very, very generous with the gifts lately. I, I, I promised you this for a bunch of times as well. I know. Oh, you're the very, Taylor Dane book. Very
0: anxious to read. Tell I it almost to my heart. bought it.
1: The ta- like, really? Yeah, do you know? I, I. I- I read all of these, dude. I I, I read every book. Every this is the book that
0: proves that to really be true, because I think that might even be like self-published.
1: And well, I saw it on Amazon. Matter of fact, uh, and what? I what the fuck were you searching for that? Because I've read every autobiography, oh, so, and yeah. they all have the same story. They're all about humanity uh-huh. struggle. I know. I did this. And I, I, like a and hit. I like get and I like the story every time. Right, and and I know all the players, like the radio people, the producers, the Ron Fair. Oh, she's right. going to be talking about. So, and I know her. So that, that's mm-hmm. why I'm so interested in. it. So I I thank you again. I got the Taylor. Dane book, Tell It to My Heart, which I'm so excited to read. She still looks amazing. I do those things every now and then, bro, with her where uh with like I'll do a show with Rick Springfield, mm-hmm. Mark McGrath, um, you know, Rick Derringer, uh, Tony Orlando and and Taylor Dane. And all these crazy, like, you know, there's just crazy uh, artists that we get together and we, we do our hits and we, we all uh thankfully get a check and move on. And she's one of those that's in the rotation. So I love Taylor Dane. She's awesome. She's a legit singer. a beyond legit. Yeah, she was she's Mariah Carey uh, level uh, singer. She's got like a five octave range. Um, She's one that uh, David Foster would always go to to give. I know if you have a Foster and Diane Warren are looking for you, you can sing. It was interesting to hear
0: that she was developed by she's another one of the Clive Davis ladies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how how cookie cutter the approach was. You don't with all the song and dance and the trappings at the time. You don't even realize how much he, she's like okay. And then your second album is just your uh, your first name is the title, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is my the real me album, and it
1: worked. It worked.
0: Taylor dates Taylor, and how she had come from just Taylor, a very um, uh, dancey background, and that was most of her hits. But that he. Because when you're a kid, they're just, they're, they're songs, they're pop songs. You yeah, don't course. think about the methodology or the rhyme or reason to any of it. And how Clive told her, I've been saving this one for Whitney, which I bet he said to all the of girls, course. but it was, Love um, will lead you exactly, back. Yep, yep. precisely, yep. which is such an outlier. As soon as she said it, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds nothing like, cause I, I could really do without the rest of her stuff. It just was not my, not my style. And her style of singing is not my favorite her tone of
1: voice you know like the runs and all that the the ranges (laughs) yeah
0: i don't know it's just like it's like fergie fergie can sing too it's just it's just not my cup of tea but when she brought that i'm like oh yeah no that song's actually kind of
1: weirdly good (laughs) it's good well i think that was a david foster diane warren production I, i i i will do the research on that but uh yeah i mean um Diane Foster uh, I, Diane Foster, uh, Diane Warren was, is the, wrote all those Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, you know straight down Broadway, big Disney hits, you know yeah I think uh, she also wrote like yeah like, I don't want to miss a thing yeah she did she wrote Aerosmith's only number one song mm-hmm. I don't want to miss a thing." um I think she wrote here, there, wherever you are. the uh, uh, Titanic song. I believe she wrote that Oh really, I could be wrong, I could be wrong.
0: What do you what do you make of people like her and Desmond Child who I told you last time we were speaking was was on this show because I kind of wanted to get a place in the conversation with him where I felt comfortable saying so your name is sort of a dirty word. <laughs> and I think he would have been okay with it. The conversation just never went anywhere remotely close to there. I felt like it was awkward to kind of force that in, but you know that like when Aeros especially to rock people, yeah. when Aerosmith brings in Diane Warren. When Aerosmith brings in Desmond Child, this is the ultimate sellout. Like, I don't think anybody thinks I Don't Want to
1: Miss a Thing is the best Aerosmith song. Well, maybe your mom does. It's a damn good song. I is love it? it. I just think Steven Tyler's, the way he, he sang that, and Diane Warren will tell you that, because I have worked with Diane Warren, but you'll never hear my song from her. Uh, and she said it, he sold the whole song. He took it to places at the end like that. Wow! Yeah. screaming that she never even envisioned it. So Steven Tyler's vocal really made that song. I like the song. I think it works and it works within the context of a movie. But sometimes when you're spending so much money on movies and all this and soundtracks, which where a lot of these songs are coming from, you, you need the best. You need those guys that can almost do it, Cookie Cutter. And if you can write a hit song, Cookie Cutter, my hat's off to you. There's probably four to five people in the world that can do it and they've had more failures than successes. So there is no guarantee because you hired Desmond Child, you're going to get hit or Diane Warren. No, and Steven
0: Spielberg, you know, right. t- nobody wanted to see Tintin and he wanted there, to make five more of them. Absolutely. It definitely absolutely. Why? Can you say why you did a song with Diane Warren that'll never?
1: She had a song uh, that she, she wrote called um, Better and she goes, I wrote it for you. And this is one, you know, believe it or not, Sugar Ray was on the top of the charts once. Mm-hmm. And I went in there. You, I- are you sure she's telling the truth? Yeah, I, I believe she was. It was, it was, uh, it was ob- just like Clive told the truth. <laughs> Wendy and Taylor.
0: <laughs> well, did it sound like? Did the demo sound
1: very? The lyrics either? sounded like something I would be saying to someone. Yeah, I was. I was off the hinges there. You know, it was like trying to be a better person. I mean, I prob- she probably found a character for her song mm-hmm. as opposed to being written for me. Yeah, because it was so hard to sing. And all the Pro Tools in the world was were not, not going to help me sing or do justice to the song. Okay. I've never heard someone do it since. All right. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't assume it was for me, but uh, I, I did get to work with her. She was amazing, fun, and I got to see why she was so great. You know, but all her songs are great because of people who can sing. Mm-hmm. You know, they—they she's never given a song to Crazy Town, and they made a hit with it. You know, it's like yeah. you better have that five octave range. You know, dr- drama. You can do these runs, and that's when she, her songs are 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 best manifested.
0: Well, again, it's that Desmond Child thing of it takes every single piece to work, and you need to—that's right. You ultimately need to have a, a star in there, which actually segues fairly nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about this week. The last time I saw you, we talked about a couple things on and off air that inspired um, uh, some more uh, episodes. We were talking about the album that Motley Crue made with John Karabi. Yes, and are you? There are some people. Most that album did very, very poorly. It's a 15 second clip in the Motley Crue, the Dirt movie. I well, actually, Hooligans Holiday, I think, wasn't even just um labels could concoct hits yeah i think that actually did kind of connect
1: with people it's a pretty there's good people song. that like it right there's people that like i think as a contrarian say it's the best motley crew record right and there's john karabi fans just people that who like, don't like motley oh, Crue. of course yeah, yeah yeah i like the song Hooligan, hooligans holiday i didn't think they had a chance in hell when they replaced vince so i think they did as good as they possibly could do with this record, though it didn't do anything. And mind you, they just gave Motley Crue a $35 million, some some crazy record deal, and they decided to replace <laughs> So the label, really? Oh, yeah. So the label's like, oh, really? So there's a lot lot involved in the making of that record.
0: So, right. I was out. I never bought that album. I never listened to it all the way through. I didn't either. I, I was the perfect test case because uh, Dr. Feelgood made me buy a guitar. I made l- me start writing music. Loved it. I was older than you, so I was already into it and loved it. And I just didn't care about about this, and now I've seen people like um, like Corey Taylor from Slipknot say Stand it's it's, it. it's super underrated. Yeah. I still listen to it after all these years, so I gave it a listen recently. And maybe you had to be there, or maybe it's just it's it's good. And it, you know, it's, it's kinda, okay. It's kind of neat that they evolved. People don't give Molly Crew enough credit for that. Every album is a very distinct thing.
1: Yes. Yes, I agree. And I agree. Too Fast
0: for Love is just a band trying to figure it out. It's still my favorite album yep. because there's actually some innocence in there. It's just an amazing- It's a punk rock
1: record. And then Theater of Pain's like, wait, maybe well, we got it, something well, here. Shout out the Devil. Yeah, is, yeah, shout out the Devil. We're, yep. we're, yep. we're,
0: we're Satanists yep. yeah. and, and hide your
1: daughters. <laughs> and was scary. Yep.
0: And then the third one, Theater of Pain, they flip from you know black and- Pentagrams to pink and purple and home sweet home. We're gonna be here a
1: while, you yeah. know what I mean? Because they couldn't stick with that devil shtick forever.
0: And then you know? the next album, there's leather,
1: leather. They're a bike bikes. gang, girls, girls, and girls, and Bob Rock, Wild
0: Side. And then Doctor Feelgood is just them getting really slick. And- they became a
1: classic rock band. Then you know, I, Molly Crew well became a clock, classic rock band with a Doctor Feelgood record. That's when you start swinging for the fences. I've, I've told you about this before when, when bands are kind of like, they're, they're mid-level bands and they swing for the fences. And that's Dr. Feelgood was there. Oh, can we be a legacy band? And guess what? Yes, they can. So, remember Generation Swine? I do remember Generation Swine.
0: Wow. I don't know if I could name the single off of I, it.
1: I can't either. That was Vince came back. Yeah. And we were doing the same uh, venues they were in 97 off our hit Fly, off the Motley Crue Catalog and History. They were coming down from the mm-hmm. mountain, and yeah. we were just starting to like sort of climb up the mountain. So we were literally following them in the, the venues they were playing. I'm like, how is this possible? Yeah, because you know, they were theaters. They were probably fifteen hundred, two thousand. And I'd hear a boy it was half full last night from Motley Crew And I'm like, are you kidding me?
0: Which it all depends on your perspective, because I, you know, speaking of stand up comedy, when comedians go to theaters, they're on fucking
1: fire Oh, without a doubt, without but a doubt. When and, you go back down, that's well, But they started out with three trucks and they had all the stuff. And by the end, they couldn't even bring the piano in for them to do Home Sweet Home. By right the end of that tour, so it just I was just I was hearing all the details because you know they were doing the, the literally the venues right in front of us like two nights before, and I was like, wow, that's uh, that's tough. The Smalley crew five years right. ago. So know? this is a thing,
0: and, and and thank goodness for all these bands. Like it's never been a better time to be a legacy band. There are so many bands that had their little run, big, small, medium size, broke up, went away, and are now able to come back and and play in venues that are as big, if not bigger, than the ones that they played in in their heyday, and that's great. But there was lean. <laughs> Traditionally in music, there were a lot of lean years and you could just be finished. Nobody's really all that finished anymore. So what I want to talk to you about today is big bands who at some point uh, replaced their lead singer and recorded music with the not classic lead singer. Gotcha. And so I ended up seeing some clips of uh, the sort of stuff you're talking about. Although I'm not aware of them having recorded any original music, Fleetwood Mac at a certain point had some lady who was a very capable backup singer. Mm-hmm. As Stevie Nicks, what year was that? I think it was in the nineties, and they were saying that they were on like a like a three headed headlining tour. the the The, the video clip don't, won't play on radio, but it was really amazing to see. Fleetwood Mac is finished. Fleetwood done. Mac is absolutely They're done. they with
1: Sticks in Kansas and Fleetwood ex- ex- Mac, right? And some weird,
0: ex- exactly three bill band. And there's a little crowd of you know Chardonnay drinkers out there. Yeah, sure. And This is the end of the line for Fleetwood
1: Mac. Is and Lindsay is- in the band? No. Okay. That that's a real thin offering of Fleetwood Mac. Nor was Christy McVie. So the all three lead singers basically weren't in there. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it was yes, the it's it's Fleetwood and Mac. The mean, bass
1: player and the drummer. I don't no, I don't think John I don't think John was even in there. The really? bass player. Yeah, I, I think he I think he laughed too. I think it was also Mick. It was just Mick taking his uh Fleetwood Mac car off for drive, you know? It was I believe it was uh i yeah. know the three singers were not there christy uh lindsey and obviously uh, stevie
0: yeah yeah yeah. no no they were were not but uh these are bands who went all the way to try you, to you don't want to
1: play a little uh, okay I, i'm just dying to hear what it sounded like let me see if i can yeah, find i'm sorry so, uh, No, 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 no. in the meantime
0: no 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 problem at all here's crew with uh with karabi hooligans holiday correct no nah, i just played a different one everyone knows that one
1: Bullhorn. Mandatory nineties bullhorn. the
0: well,
1: Karabi's voice is rad, dude.
0: yeah. Karabi's gonna... voice is
1: rad. I love the guitar sounds on that, man.
0: They did pretty successfully transition like it
1: it's not embarrassing there's no embarrassment in that.
0: no 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 exactly it's not in another day i definitely want to do all the hair metal bands who tried to go grunge that's that's embarrassing we've got to do
1: that there's some great looks
0: yeah 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 no they they managed to strip the 80s without
1: stripping away the crew exactly they still have the big heavy riffs in there and there's there's an attitude in there that's very crewish yeah it's just
0: there's no charisma is is just this this x factor we've detailed this, everybody knows this, Vince Neil has got a lot of limitations yes, as a front man. That's right. John Karabi is a perfect front man. Very capable. He, I mean, but capable is... But he's a great songwriter, but that's he's damming, great that, acoustic That, player, that is damning with faint praise. That, he's well, that, he's that's, capable. It's true. And there's bands who've made it with capable lead singers. It's just hard when everybody can see the shoes you're not filling. Like, Mr. Big comes to mind. I can't remember the name of the Mr. Big singer. Uh, Eric Eric Mart. Uh, no, Eric, Eric Martin. That's right. Like, Him, Karabi, six and one, half a dozen. Very true. Karabi could have been the Mr. Big Guy. Absolutely. And it would have been just fine. So it's not like you can't do it, but when everybody knows what it's supposed to be like, which let me see if this whole play brings us to uh, Fleetwood Mac. Is that Landslide? uh, No, it's Don't Stop in 1995. This is live somewhere. Oh, my God. It's like a fair setting. Look yes. at
1: the fair setting. God
0: bless you, Switzerland. What a beautiful country you are. Get your
1: up now. we got to go home. Have a good night. Piano doesn't even sound the same. Oh, they got a Lindsay look-alike in there. Yeah. Okay. That's not him. That's not him. So here's not Lindsay. If it takes just a while. It's a pretty good vocal, though, impression. Open There's Mick. Oh, Mick's definitely there. Definitely Mick. Who's playing bass? Well, if it's if you can't tell if he's not featured on stage, yeah. that's pretty much exactly. Effort. That's crazy. What is crazy is the production is looks like a state fair sugar ray. He's gonna play this weekend.
0: The fake Lindsay is. Do you have to get a guy that looks like Lindsay. You have to get a guy that looks like Lindsay. George Clooney had the exact same haircut. Yeah. So here's here's fake
1: Stevie. Not even
0: close. Yeah.
1: Oversinging, you know. a very capable, fine singer, just not Fleetwood Mac. And that's why they were playing you, yeah. mid-Bill Ferris. You know? If you
0: knew her and she was like, I really think I can make a go with this singing thing, and then she sang, you'd be like, yeah, I think you really can. Oh, Without a doubt. But replacing
1: Stevie Nicks, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right. But like you said, do I think another show we said, you know, sometimes when you're in a band, it's what you do, man. You know what I mean? Who's going to tell Mick Fleetwood when he can and cannot play drums?
0: Well, also, you never know; the money might be gone. Well, that too, absolutely.
1: Yeah, might... seventy-five wives, a hundred divorces. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. It... There was a movie. Uh, They made so much money, though. I refuse to believe. I mean, Rumors is one of the biggest records of all time. I know. I know. And he was alive when he was receiving royalties when he actually had royalties. I understand all that. I mean, I think I think that sold probably a million copies a year every year of his life until Napster came along.
0: I know, but you set yourself up with a standard of living. I'm without a doubt. I'm thinking of. I can't remember what it was called. There was a movie about the Wall Street crash. The most recent one with. uh, I can't the name. With Kevin Spacey, who plays like the CEO of like the Slimy Wall Street Fund and uh-huh. ends up doing a slimy financial thing at the end. And somebody's like, Why are, you know, why, why would you have to do this? And he's like, I still needed the money.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he, he did. Because I know. You can,
0: and that, this is why, this is, they say, I, I would love to test this theory out. They say that like whatever however you are with money, it doesn't matter how much you get. If you're It's the how kind of, you are if you're the kind of person that has five and spends six, it doesn't matter if it's that five billion. five, 000, 5 million, exactly.
1: It's so true. And, bro. It, and if
0: anybody might be prone to that, would it not be the most coked out drummer in the history of rock and roll and, and this side of uh, we, 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 well John Bonham and Keith
1: well then. you can also just just apply that across the board with music because I remember so many I'm in the 80s I saw so many heavy metal guys go up the hill yeah and like this is going to last forever I can bought my house it's great and then a year later coming down the hill so you got to learn like you got you mean the talk, literal little little uh, yeah, hill, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, saving for a rainy day has never been more applicable in a business that was less inclined to save money than the music industry Right, because you got a bunch of maniacs who they, they didn't go to school. You know, they're not necessarily. I mean, you got. I. I got into singing because I didn't want to get into business. Yeah. And then I ended up running a multi international, multi million dollar corporation. You know. Th- yeah. th- think about that.
0: The things that make people successful in entertainment, particularly music, are very often the very seeds of the person's destruction. Absolutely true. You know, so this band you're you're gonna know. That. I mean, even if you haven't heard this you're going to know it. I will, I can honestly say I, I do not believe I had ever heard any of this
1: album before, but... Uh, so this is a band... This is a band... That's being replaced by a singer. Yeah. Is it going to be live or is it going to be recorded? No, no, no.
0: Everything that I have is recorded. These are all bands that, that made it into a studio to try to generate new albums with their replacement lead singers for their iconic frontmen. Was it all
1: 90s records? Sorry. A
0: lot go. of 90s and 2000s. This is Boston. No.
1: Oh, it's Van Halen. It's Gary Cherone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hats off. What do you
0: mean by that, Mark?
1: That's I think he's doing extreme-y. a hell of a job, Gary Cherone, because he's a great singer. And he sounds a lot like Sammy to me. I'm sorry. I, I, cause I haven't heard this as much as I, I've heard mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah. Um, Van Halen 3. He didn't stand a chance, let's be honest. Because God wasn't going to shine down on Van Halen twice and go, "We're gonna," I mean, three times. Yeah, We're going to let you replace the singer three times, which has rarely been done twice. ACDC and Van Halen, probably the most successful bands that ever replaced a singer to continue to have success. So yeah. I don't think the gods are going to go, yes, Van Halen, we'll let you do this one more time with Gary Cherone in the peak of grunge.
0: The peak of grunge is probably the biggest problem because, as I've said Not before—
1: Not the third replacing of a was... lead singer?
0: <laughs> well, I had been the biggest, biggest extreme fan. Yeah. Fun fact, I have subsequently gone through—and I listened to the extreme albums, but I have gone through their second album and made edited versions that are just the guitar solos. Wow. That's so, an extreme, extreme, extreme fan. An, I am an extreme,
1: extreme <laughs> fan. Sorry, send me for
0: that. <laughs> I, it is, it, it is true. So, I while I will listen to the extreme stuff with him singing on it. I'm more, I'm less inclined. You to love skip Nuno. When you love just, Nuno Betancourt. So even when it happened, having been the biggest extreme fan, I was like, I don't really need to hear more. Gary Sharon. I just thought they had the their pick of everyone in the world. And I think that they've always been very headstrong. Again, the seeds of what make you great are also the seeds of your destruction. Absolutely. People did not, you know, a, a, they, they wanted uh, the scandal. Patty Smythe chick. That's who they wanted to replace David Lee Roth. Nobody wanted them to go with Sammy Hagar. They could have had anybody. Right. Literally anybody. So they'd always done it their own way, but that's that always... was the,
1: that was the thinking. You're right. Well, of course we it's we're the ones making the choices, so we'll get this right with Gary. Yeah, you know. But I think that, I just I, I I don't know. I I, uh, I don't think that's terrible. It's just the world was also kind of done with Van Halen right then, for with a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to be a certain age. You know, your your fans have aged out. This whole new movement was coming in, and they just didn't fit it. So Gary Shon unfortunately didn't stand a chance. Did they ever tour? Did they do a tour with Gary Sharone? That I want to say they didn't. Know. I want to say this video came out. with remember there was all it was in the ice with the fur coats and stuff. I don't. And they were just got the most lukewarm response. And I think they just they said no to the tour. And I oh, oh I know what happened. Mm-hmm. God, there's a guy named Mitch Malloy too. This metal dude named Mitch Malloy who currently sings for Great White. Mm-hmm. Who who was told after the Gary Sharon project he got the gig in Van Halen. So it was actually, this is on YouTube too. So Mitch Malloy tells a story how he was the fourth singer in Van Halen after Gary Sharon because they could see it was failing so badly. And then he found out he was getting kicked out of Van Halen by the uh, MTV reunion I've. I remember when they came back with Diamond Dave and all that, and he was like doing that cookie smile, and you could. And and Eddie had uh, overalls on; he wouldn't stand even near David. And you could. You go, oh, this is not going to end well. And that's where Mitch Malloy found out he was not going to be the fourth singer of Van Halen. This is YouTubeable. There's a whole thing on if you want to see it.
0: I don't remember that part of it. I do remember Van Halen saying that when the idea was broached, you know, there was a crack in the ice, and they could talk to Dave. That basically, they. Agreed to reunite with Dave. Right. And then they went to announce it on MTV and Diamond Dave showed up and they were like, oh, this is the guy we hate.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How quickly the memories come back, you know? I know. But I think you know Gary got fired and they didn't know, and then this Mitch Malloy guy. gets very interesting. It's on YouTube, yeah. and it's and this it, it this comes from him, not me. Mitch Malloy, who's the singer of Great White right now, mm-hmm. and who had a little bit of success in the past in his own right, and is a great singer. Um, so I could see it being possible. And he looks like he looks like David Lee Roth now. You know, back then during the Unchained period. So.
0: Yeah, fit the bill. Yeah, definitely fit the bill.
1: Here is a
0: classic act that tried to soldier on after their lead singer departed for a successful solo career. Okay. Maybe does, yeah. maybe you won't. Faces.
1: Could not was a movie playing.
0: On the radio left behind. It's
1: a short of a trick question. I need a, I
0: need a clue. Well. The singer is
1: Michael Hutchins from NXS. Is that JD Fortune?
0: Singing no. Okay, NXS? so
1: no, we're gonna we'll get to that. Wait, is that in excess? No. It's Michael so, Hutchins. It is Michael Hutchins. Singing with who uh,
0: The Heads? The Heads? Yes. S- Off of the album, no talking. Just head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's so Michael.
0: <laughs> but wait, I thought we were doing big bands that yes, replaced the- I, we the, sure are. And after uh, David Byrne no longer wanted to perform uh, with Talking Heads-
1: You've got to be kidding me.
0: The rest, the two members, Tina and- Tina and- uh, Jerry, I guess. Uh,
1: G- and Jerry, uh, what's his name? Produced the crash list on album. Tom Tom Quiggs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- Tom, Tom, Tom Tom Club.
0: He, uh, they made Tina this... Weymouth
1: and Jerry Finn. Jerry yeah, Finn.
0: Jerry Finn. That's exactly right. I was there only three of them? I thought there was another
1: guy, but I think he was just.
0: I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Two two of them who weren't David. Yeah. Tina, defi- <laughs> Tina definitely
1: being one of them. <laughs> and a curly had a guy that was not David. Right. Put together, and this is uh,
0: this came out in '96. So the the shit is wow. they put How out- did this escape my whole thing? You had no idea. Mm, zero. So they it's a like an all star roster of singers that each did a song with them. Oh, and so it was one, never one, a thing. One you more would... terrible than the next. Who this else was... was part of this project? Called... Well, funny, you should ask. Well, thank uh, you for uh,
1: indulging. Let's see here. I'll... Okay, so first, uh, I'll come back to that because... That was not... Here's the thing. I thought Tom, Tom Club was great, and I think those two are very talented as producers, and I love Michael Hutchins. That was not good, what I just heard right there. You know,
0: it's tough. I'm sure you've been there where somebody just gives you a groove, and, it,
1: and it's just... It's you can't work out of it, you can't work into it. It is what it is. It's the
0: rarest kind of genius and I think it's something that people miss with with Morrissey is people give him pieces of music and what I don't care what you think. If you really think the guy has never written a memorable melody, oh, you're out of your mind. I just don't know what to tell you and some of the most memorable. If you've ever had I mean I don't know. If you've ever I don't if you don't if you're not a musician this would never happen to you, but somebody just comes up with some really neat little cute little thing like I got a C to an F and look what I'm doing. It's easy to lay something nice on top of that. It's genius to lay something memorable on top of that. And all that man has done for his entire adult life is have people give him cute little pieces of Django pop and make classic melodies on top of them. Everybody works backwards.
1: Well, Think about how soon is now. That's all that was. You go sing on that. I I am the sun. And he made all of that. And you're right. It's really easy to write a good song. I'll say that it's, very difficult to write a hit slash genius song
0: and nowadays it's a lot more common even again desmond child was talking about how nowadays he is a top line writer which is not phrase right. phraseology that we used to use right. where it and this is totally post hip-hop mm-hmm. post aren't the rmbization of all pop music somebody comes up with the music track and then you write on top of that. that's right that's a really ass backwards way for most people to have written for most of the history of popular music you kind of if you're not starting with the hook it can be done, but, but good luck. Yeah, exactly. And now you have the less genius members of Talking Heads giving you very vanilla Talking Heads esque beds,
1: and you're supposed to. But but they did Genius of Love. Speaking of Genius. This is Tom Tom Club. That's Tom Tom Club, yeah. Remember that? I'm gonna have to. No, I don't. You don't remember the uh, Book of Love by Tom Tom Club? No, I don't. It's the most like one of the most hip hop. It's it's so. Oh wait, is that Yeah. Oh, really? in heaven with I'm with my boyfriend Oh My lucky boyfriend Yeah That's them Mariah, one,
0: Mariah Carey just Took a seat on top ex- of that And got a hit out of thank it Thank you That's <laughs> it It's
1: the most Genius production tracks Of all time Okay right That track is a hit Yes that, It's like
0: stay out of the way Of the track absolute, Absolutely That's how Mariah Carey Had a hit out of it Right She didn't have to do A goddamn thing Exactly sweet sweet right the fuck Exactly right yeah, That's right.
1: why they got I mean, That's why It's like They, they are great producers Those two mm-hmm. You know what I mean So I think that's why They got the uh, the, the star lineup they did. I, Michael Hutchins, we were talking about who else was on that? Okay, well, we'll, we'll get to that real quick. You're going to know this, I have a feeling. You always set me up like that and just, you know. I think you nice might him, Oh, yeah. Well, th- this is in excess. Yes. This is uh, JD Fortune. Yep. And I was obsessed by the show Rockstar Supernova. The thing that you do is wrong do. I actually like I actually like this.
0: It's called Pretty Vegas, right? Do you know what's weird? It's last night, yeah, it's called Pretty Vegas. Last night when I listened to it, all I heard was it not being Michael Hutchins. All All I hear is is Michael Michael
1: Hutchins. Uh, 90s, 90s 90s megaphone. 90s (laughs) Nineties <laughs> megaphone. Scott Weiland, nineties <laughs> megaphone alert. <laughs> Here's the thing. Remember Rockstar Supernova hosted by Dave Navarro and like Gilby Clark was there? I do. And in excess did their own version looking for their singer. I was obsessed by this show. I was going to try out, but I forgot I couldn't sing. Um, then, then I remember this JD Fortune guy and he mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of charisma about him. had a little attitude and weirdness about him and he got the gig. And I thought it. Work felt perfectly, and it went well. And, and you the, have the built-in interest of instead of just coming up with a
0: press release, exactly. you, you've ramped up with this TV show.
1: With the TV show, they had the catalog, they had a, a very beloved band, um, uh, and I thought this was a decent song. And there is a documentary about J.D. Fortune that you know I've watched about his time just as he was getting fired from in excess into him trying to do a solo project, which is worth the humanity of watching. Just to let you know, Uh so he actually had about a year and a half in in excess and run around the went around the world, and they, I guess, one day they just said thanks for playing, you know, and said this is not the direction we want to go,
0: which is particularly tough because usually the end of the story with these is, and then somebody ran out of money and the original lead singer came back. That was not an option. That's for not going to happen. So right. probably what happened more than anything is that the.
1: Personalities not, didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was. I was going to say more that maybe it was not a viable business oh, model. The interest wasn't for in excess to yeah. tour without Michael Hutchins. I think who they was?
1: were doing okay though. I oh, remember really? them playing casinos and stuff like that. Where I know the kind of monies you get there, and it's yeah. it's enough to stay alive. I but I, I I think you know the guys live all live in Australia. Uh, actually, Gary Beer is the bass player of Phoenix Lives out in the valley with me. I love the guy. I see him every now and then. Um. So I, I don't know what the mechanics or economics were, but who knows? I I from what I understand from the documentary I watched, it was more of a personality clash. Okay. If you saw J.D. Fortune, you know, he he, he loved him from J.D. Fortune. Right, the frontman uh, complex. And here's the thing about replacing a frontman. If a frontman is as a iconic as a Michael Hutchins is, um, it's going to be tough to really, really Carry On. That's why Foreigner has been able to, no disrespect to Lou Graham, but it's it's the catalog you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Journey, no disrespect to Steve Perry, but it's the catalog you're going to see. Mm-hmm. That's why these bands have been able to to carry on and have incredible success without the lead singer.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes people even forget that there was a a good two-year period of time where in excess, U two, Bono, Michael Hutchins are yeah. essentially I, I, interchangeable. Neck, toe
1: and toe, neck, neck, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I could there was tell a time you, when the Alarm and U two were battling it out for that that UK spiritual, uh, you know, Christian band thing. They were battling yeah. it out. The Alarm and U two, who will be the self righteous winner
0: Yeah, exactly. There can only be one. <laughs>
1: So another Good one, call right there.
0: Another one from the uh, No Talking Just Head album. I bet you guessed this singer. No shame if you do not. Mark. All right, I'm up. No
1: pressure. It, what you saying Singing out here.
0: I don't get them all, man.
1: That's Ed Kowalczyk from Live. Sure is. Yeah, I was talking That's, That's very talking heads. Did David Byrne stop by <laughs> in a lunch break. I think there may have
0: been a lot of uh what would David do doing? without a doubt.
1: Yeah. And what is your uh inter- what is your impression of Live? Running for another band that lost their lead singer carried on and then Ed came back. Uh-huh. Oh 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 uh-huh. oh here we go. Here we go. Got to go to YouTube for this one. <laughs> uh let's see. Perfect example of the parts being bigger than the, uh, some big in parts. 90s, 90s bullhorn, 90s bullhorn 90s. alert. <laughs> <laughs> Much grungier. Wow. We're going to show Ed. We can really rock. He was holding his back. Ed didn't want to rock. <laughs> <laughs> we hey, you get the idea. I'll tell you this about this band. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, they, they, they can deliver. They're a great band live. Yeah. Oh,
0: you know, okay, that's the best thing I can say. I know that you're on a bill with them, uh, playing in some big festival here in Southern California
1: very soon. So I'm not gonna. I, oh no, no, I, I, I. I... I hate live. Yeah, no, I, I I could, I could, I can see your whole sort of uh, not fitting your, your, your wheelhouse of music. The
0: weird thing is, I bought the first album, Mental Jewelry, because I did you let it go. I responded to that. Maybe there was space in my heart for one more (laughs) self-righteous. So I bought that. I'll I'll tell you another nice thing I can say about them. I always thought it was the coolest fucking thing that, and if I'm wrong, just don't tell me. I love this illusion that they came out, they made this album, he had a shaved head and they had one big ish MTV hit. And then pain lies by the riverside was the lesser second hit. Mental jewelry, right? Took took him a very long time to follow it up. Like, like
1: it did go gold. It leaped to gold. Yeah, yeah, No, no, no. It was successful, Successful. but
0: a modest success. And I love the band that, wants the brass ring. I think it was Bono who said that about he saw this generation of like the Pearl Jams and the Radioheads of when we saw that we were actually in the game and could get that brass ring, We that's all we wanted. It's the we wanted legacy as, swings. As, the as legacy as, as, swings. As big as we could and you see these other bands, Pearl Jam, Radiohead, decided it's not all It's it's cracked up to be. Live got a taste and Live decided that they wanted to go big and Live took a long time to follow up that that album to where I think most people casual to even a little bit above casual music fans didn't even know that there had been an earlier incarnation of live when (laughs) our love is like water came out. (laughs) Right. What I love is they came back and I'm like, oh, dude's got long hair now yeah. for one music video. Right. And then he bicked it off and had a shaved head again. And I'm like, you spent four years writing yep. seven hits and growing two feet of hair for one video. So I love that. And I also went to the Glastonbury Music Festival in 2000, which is, uh, they're past, they're probably already into Secret Samadhi and shit yeah, like this. Yeah, they were with dolphins crying. But they're. <laughs> <laughs> That was the single, <laughs> and uh and uh, hey, think about it, bro. Like genetically, you're like ninety eight percent the same. So close, yeah, it's like dude. it's like basically like your family out there. And, uh, it's, and uh, I remember that the, the, I'll, I can place this historically in a time in two thousand. There was only one ATM at Glastonbury. Oh my god! So I'm waiting in line for forever to get cash and the whole time I was waiting in line so I could continue to feed myself I'm listening because it's festivals live is just playing yeah and I was like do you know what they're incredible live and oh, oh, are you? Yeah. Ah. they're like they deliver a more cringy Matchbox 20 Matchbox 20 is actually the watered down live writing love songs instead of trying to save the world but vocally it's v- that style of I I strongly Dislike. Very,
1: very lonely. And that stuff you don't and like. And Rob
0: is Rob's really a nice. sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah,
1: both those bands I've toured a lot with. Mm-hmm. I, I I have nothing but good things to say about them. Especially Matchbox Twenty, they were wonderful to us, and they were on a label, and we kind of had like a a simpatico with them. Uh, we toured with Live um, in an arena, and I remember uh, they're very spiritual. Their band, they would have uh Harry Christians come by oh, and all that. Don't say oh, the whole thing. And what? I remember we'd go through airports. You don't go on a bus in Australia because the, the cities are so far apart. So That's you, right. you fly every day, and Ed would take a humid. His only carry-on was a humidor full of cigars. Okay. And every customs we get pulled over, and we'd have to sit through while they went through every damn cigar in a box. Oh. And I'm my. like, can you just leave the cigars? You know what I mean? I go. That was some kind of I'm taking this humidor thing, and I'm going to become the band. With their hair, and you know what I'm saying, dude? It was like we'd be sitting there waiting, you know, because we're all like in a part of a group and yeah. we're all moving and such. And I, I just, know. All he carried for a carry on was a humidor.
0: Because I've heard um, Paige Hamilton from Helmet talking about uh, Axel. In the incarnation of Guns N' Roses, just before the band got back together, took Helmet out, and mm-hmm. I, he uh, Page knew his role and was like, "Holy shit, we're playing with Guns N' Roses. This is amazing." Yeah, great. Being the guy who got them held up at customs, and it being like this, this thing that he still gets a pit in his stomach yeah. when he thinks about holding up the caravan because, and it, it was nothing. He didn't. He may have had a cigar, like it, it was absolutely nothing. But to uh, some people have that happen one time and go, "Right,
1: never. I'm again. not going to do it again." Yeah, but it, some people go. But it was that's it, Mr. Ed Kowalczyk to you. But I think "Lightning Crashes" is one of the best songs of the '90s. I like get such Which a. Which ones? That. You know, oh, I feel it coming back. That gives me that. gives me. It it gives me the feels. That song. I really? love that song, Tully. Like, I will arrive with that song forever. It's a perfectly written song, and it's okay for you not to like it. That's why we discuss. If we if we liked everything together, I mean, you know, wouldn't 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 be what this is. There are some what bands is this?
0: who replace their lead singers who have had a surprising amount of success. I don't see any reason for me to bring up Sublime with Rome. I've never met those guys, but I've always I, I, I've been. I'm happy for them. I'm assuming they're okay guys and to an extent sure they were just lucky that they met this guy who
1: wrote all these hit songs but everybody else gets to keep touring and just yeah.
0: when they broke they never
1: they never got a chance to make that that big money that they're making now. You know and just they even, weren't just, just they weren't the songwriters. It. They weren't the songwriters. I know. You know so like obviously they weren't playing live anymore. And they weren't the songwriters. So look, that first re- that that record, you know, sublime record, sold seven million copies. So they they weren't starving. But like you said, it was nice to see them get a guy like Rome, who's very very good in what he does. He's not trying to be Brad, but he serves the songs great. And they he's get... not trying
0: to be Brad, but he's just Brad esque enough. Yeah, he's, well, he was yeah, the perfect guy. But he
1: was always like that. You know, obviously very influenced by sure. sublime. Here they are, and so the uh, only Eric left. Eric's the uh, oh yeah? bass player. Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. Very, very
0: similar to this next act who had no choice but to replace their lead singer and waited years and years before they took a crack at it. Are you blind-meling me right I mean, now? I'm going to
1: blind-meling you. You can blind me. I remember you. we used to sit. Lonely is the night. Well, <laughs> that's a Lonely good approximation the there. a great recording. Not a great recording. The It's bad. It's good. But are are we at the at a place where you're trying to be so much like the other guy you can't even go forward? Do you know? I mean, I guess that's the idea. Well,
0: if you're gonna be if you're gonna be exactly like the guy, you got to be as good as the guy and And have the x factor and i can already hear the 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 melodic stuff where it's you sometimes you don't appreciate how good somebody is until you hear somebody try it to be them, i don't know what shannon would have done at that little
1: chord change but it
0: wouldn't it wouldn't have been that
1: and it wouldn't have been so abrasive i don't think
0: yeah you know i love the i i have friends who are really into the first blind melon album for me it was the second one i still listen to it top to bottom soup is such a fucking great album it's a
1: great record never
0: got its due no, well, they didn't have they didn't have the single.
1: I know, and I know, I know. Uh, when Shannon passed, a lot of their crew we picked up uh, mm-hmm. uh, when we were starting to have our thing. We were opening for Three Eleven, and a lot of um, Three Eleven picked up their crew from uh, from Blind Melon. And on the Three Eleven crew at the Three Eleven tour, Sugar Ray was able to pick up a lot of the crew that came from um, the Blind Melon camp, and and he was just very unhappy with the lack of success with that record. He didn't understand it. He yeah. didn't get it, and he was just totally bummed out, you know, because it was it was a big uh, failure in terms of commercials for what for what label was looking for. Well, you know, they would come off a three million, three million soul selling record. They were looking for their Pearl Jam going out to pasture, you know, and it just I think they felt a lot of pressure on them.
0: Well, sure. And frankly, it may have been a fool's errand to begin with, because they were very quick to let everybody know that. Uh, wait, I'm blanking. What's the name of the single? The Blind Melon? The B-Girl? No Rain. Yeah, No Rain. That No Rain was a fluke and last song on the album, it doesn't sound like anything on there. And all my friends were like, oh, don't worry about the B-Girl, that's not really like them. When your big hit song is not representative of your sound. So that's the fluky one. That's the one that shouldn't have been there. But Tones of Home is
1: not that much different than No Rain. I
0: agree. I agree. But why was Tones of Home not... Successful when it had all the setup in the world. They had a gigantic, like, I I think of like a a Faith No More. Like, I don't know that uh, um, Falling to Pieces is like the greatest Faith No More song ever. It was just people responded so strongly to to Epic Epic and that whole thing that you could, if they had another hook, if they had another pop oriented song, it was going to be a hit. That's how big No Rain was. Yes. It should, it's, Tones of Home could not have been more set up for success. So if you think of uh, No Rain as having been fluky and in its inclusion in the first place well then you have a band that was still born on their first album and it right. should have been surprising that the second album was just more the same from the first minus no rain they didn't have another fluke they didn't have another hit
1: or did they even try to do another no rain you No, know? they definitely didn't want to yeah. they, they
0: went into that whole thing of where they performed it they didn't they didn't play it like the album when they did it live because the bros wanted them to do no rain because that's they fingered some chick to it you know i know
1: but the first thing you do when you start having like you know a, a negative reaction or, or sort of a, you know any anxiety or, or 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 disdain for the audience it's it's just such a bad look and it's so transparent to the audience and you, know, you think you're getting over on them because you're too cool. Like, all right, we'll play this song. You know, you know it's it just, you, you don't want to disrespect. We're talking about it like in the last show. You don't want to disrespect people. Once they like a band, it becomes part of their character. Yep. They, you know, mm-hmm. and so you're disrespecting someone's DNA when you're saying, oh, you're an idiot for liking this. You know, it's just an old showbiz trick. You don't do that. Sell it, baby. It's a smile. Right. But, and, but and I'm you, a sellout. Well, but,
0: but, and and you, had the, you had the hit that was not necessarily representative of the sound. Oh, the anomaly. Go, and then you go, okay, well, what did we do and how can we replicate and recreate and expand that, which is the exact opposite of
1: what, We did just the opposite. We had a No Rain and said, let's do five more No Rain. Blind yeah. Melon should have had, should've had <laughs> three of them. Well, I respect the fact that wasn't their thing and that wasn't their creative vision. So, you know, God bless. I think we might have time for only one more of these. Uh, you got to be kidding me. I know. Where do these shows go? I know.
0: it's been Actually, we don't even have time for this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. Did you know... Know that there was a Velvet Underground album after
1: Lou Reed? I did did not know at all. What year do you think?
0: 73. This guy'd been like the touring bassist. I oh, think was an original member?
1: No. I was raised better days, by myself, and no one never took the time. Wonder one why it wasn't big. <laughs> What's his name?
0: Uh, Thank you for asking me that. I know.
1: The The
0: immortal uh, Doug Ewell, who who I think was already, I think he'd gotten the deal and they were like, we got to get There was like a contractual obligation for another Velvet Underground. And he's like, well, this is, let's be clear. This is a Doug Ewell album. (laughs)
1: and it reads like I'll be doing walk on the wild side over here if you guys need me <laughs> yeah exactly so that's a oh, fascinating topic man that was There's awesome
0: more where those came from they're almost always I is... love is. thank you at Mark underscore McGrath just yes. Mark McGrath on Instagram hit me you?
1: up I love hearing from you guys you guys know that Mark McGrath
0: Ned, 90s on
1: 9 90s on 9 Mark McGrath 120 90s on 9 flatty 9pm 9 9 Eastern. dot com we'll see you next time yeah thanks buddy